Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Good morning. I haven't said that in so long from this pulpit. I always say welcome to ES First online, but welcome to ES First in real life. So it's good to be back. I missed you. I used to. I usually preach to a room full of nothing. Even Josh and Josh, not Josh and Ashley, but Josh and Allie are usually here, and they're like, "Okay, we're gonna record. Here we go." And then they leave the room. I'm like, "Where are you guys going?" I'm like, "All by myself in here." But it's good to be back. Thank you for coming. Thank you for, in the midst of your fears and everything else, that uh, we are here together. So I heard somebody say we're. We're all in the same boat, and we're not all in the same boat, but we are all in the same storm. And uh, we've had uh, ups and downs. We've had, uh, even if you, maybe you've had the same job and the same money, maybe you got unemployment and you made more money and you got to invest in crude oil. Uh, and you're on your way up. Maybe everything was great for you, and that's awesome. But there's also ups and downs that happen in our lives. There's ups and downs that happen when uh, I had a friend that went into ICU for two weeks with double pneumonia and life flighted from one hospital to another, and uh, he's, only, he's only 41 years old, and uh, had to lay in a hospital bed all by himself in ICU for two weeks. His family couldn't come, his wife couldn't come, nothing. And, and sometimes our lives feel that way in these moments. We feel helpless, we feel like we have, uh, just like the world is coming to an end. And it's, and it's not, aren't you glad about that? It's not. But sometimes it feels that way. We're excited about what it is God is doing in these moments. God is doing great things in his church. He's doing great things with his people. And uh, I, I'm a firm believer that you have to fail to go forward. Your failures are what create movement in your life. And so these struggles, I mean, people look at 2020 and they say, man, this is brutal. 2020 is crazy. And uh, every hiccup, every stumble Every issue, every tension, every pain is moving us towards growth into what God has for us in our lives. And I believe that just like the Bible says that our days to come will be better than our days past. So in the Bible, it says that your latter days will be greater than your former. And if you're like me and Allie, we can never remember which latter and former is. But it means that your days to come, the days after, will be greater than the ones that already have been. And the same is true for you in your life. God is doing great and mighty things. So with that in mind, I'm not going to go to Romans quite yet. We're going to turn to the book of Psalms, and we are going to read out of Psalms 46. And uh, I believe that God has given me a word for you on this day that we head back to what would, many would call a new normal. Are you ready? Okay, all right, all right, here we go. So Psalm 46, let's read it together. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. But there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. And God will help her at break of day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace of God, which is power for life. 
that it is power over sin, it is power over death, and it is moving us forward to the place that you have for us. God, I pray more than anything that this word would come alive in us and ignite us forward into what you have for us, each of us, not glory days past, but glory days ahead. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that uh, this year has, has, been, has, has, has been a... A year of seeing, okay? Now, when all the pastors, when 2020 came around, we had this, this big, you know, uh, what's the word for the new year? And, of course, the, the easy thing to do is go, it's 2020. And what does that make you think of? It makes you think of vision. So they're all preaching about vision. Vision, you got 2020 vision, 2020 vision, 2020 vision, which means that you see clearly. And then all these things start happening, which, in my opinion, have just muddled most people's vision. Isn't it funny how all these things, most people that come to me will say, oh, you know, what, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's the end of the world? Do you think, I hear the locusts are coming. And, it's, and they point to verses, and I had one guy just hit me this week, and he's like, man, doesn't it look like revelation outside? And I'm like, yeah, but, uh, you know, God's doing great things. And, and you, you try to have clear vision, but when, in fact, everything is just muddy. And one of my favorite pastors, um, his name's Irwin, but he, he said, I, don't, I didn't go with the idea of 2020 vision because anybody can, can think about seeing clearly. But really, uh, if we can have 2020 optics. Now, optics is the way you get to see when, even when things are not clear. Right? If I have optics, the way that I see a situation, it actually changes the way I move forward instead of being able to see clearly. I remember the days um, when we used to drive in, in, in this big you know, conversion van, and I'd be laying in the back, uh, the back bench, and I made Jonathan and Allison sit up there in the uncomfortable seats, and I'd be all chilling in the back because I was like twice their size. Uh, maybe I'd lay on the floor or whatever. But I remember times we'd be driving along, and, and these, we'd have these Iowa rains, kind of like the rains we had this, this past few weeks. But it, it would just downpour, just straight downpour to the point where even though the road is straight and it's wide open, there's not a hill in Iowa, I swear. Uh, but we would have to pull over and stop. Now, my dad was like Superman, and he'd be driving along. And, and, and I, I didn't think my dad had to stop for anything, but there's sometimes my dad would stop. And one time he pulled into this big airplane hangar because the rain was coming down so hard he couldn't see. And I remember waking up from the back, of the, the back of the van and saying, where are we? He's like, we're just sitting in a hangar waiting out the storm. Because he had optics even when the vision was cloudy. Right? He had the sight, the, 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 uh, the intelligence, the, the way that he could see all things. He had the optics to see every situation, even if the way was un. Clear And God is doing that same thing in our life. But oftentimes, we feel helpless. The worst thing about our life is that, not, not that things are just caving in and things are going bad, is that we feel like we can't do anything. We feel like we're, we're running around in a straitjacket, running through uh, landmines. And it's like, we are absolutely helpless. We are sitting ducks here. We have protests going on all the way across our country because people are not just angry, but they feel helpless. You oftentimes will walk into a situation and you walk out of it because you feel helpless. Now we've gotten through, you know, stimulus checks and we've gotten through, you know, unemployment and we're, we're either working or not working. And now we're trying to figure out, me and, me and Eric were talking about how to buy cows because hamburgers like $29 a pound. And it's just this crazy stuff going on. I go to the store and it's like there's not chicken one day, but there's pork. And then, you know, they tell you kind of what's available. It's a crazy time. You kind of just feel helpless, helpless 
And here's what God says in his word in Psalm 46 through David. He says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. An ever-present help in trouble. Now, when I was growing up, uh, one of the greatest movies was ever made was made. It, it's uh, about this young man who moves from New York to California, and he's picked on by this guy named Johnny, and uh, he has to learn karate to defend himself, right? And then he goes around terrorizing, and it's, it's, it's this back and forth between these two kids, and finally, they end up at a karate match. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's this great movie called The Karate Kid. Okay, Ralph Macchio is still just a stud, um, but he he, uh, he he fights and, and it comes down to the final battle. And of course, we know that that he gets hurt and you know Mr. Miyagi rubs his hands together and puts his shoulder back and he can't do anything. And so then he stands there and he, he gets the crane kick going and he and he and he kicks him right in the face. And then Johnny's down and he wins and it's like wah! Now when I was growing up. That would come on TV and, and uh, you know, come down to the end. And I remember distinctly being a, a young man and, and Karate Kid comes down. He puts his foot up. And we all thought for some reason this was a good maneuver to fight, you know. We're all out in the backyard and, you know, we, we thought, you know, if some kid was picking on us, we were like, you know. Come on closer, I got the crane kick. But it come to that part, and my dad knew he was just walking through the house, and he'd look at the TV, and he'd go, oh, help him, Lord, help him, Lord. And I, I, as a young kid, I was like six years old, I was like, Dad, you know that he wins. And he says, yep, but everybody needs the help of God. He didn't quite say it like that. He didn't stop and have an altar call or anything, but he said, everybody needs God's help. And so many times... We are so helpless, we just want something to happen. We'll lay in bed at night and, and think, you know, God, just help me. Help me. Help me. Can somebody just help me? Can something change because I need help? Help me, Lord. God, just help me. And probably we have all said that in the last six months. We've all looked to God for help, but actually it doesn't say here God is your refuge, God is your strength, if you say, help me. doesn't say that. But it does say, God is my refuge and my strength. He is an ever-present. Now, last time I checked, ever-present means all the time present. Always there, never gone, never absent, always close, always available. It's an ever-present help. In times of trouble. Dare I say that oftentimes when we say, God help me, we believe that God is nowhere to be found. Have you ever felt forgotten when you say, God help me? Like, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forsaken me? Where did you go? We're oftentimes looking for a God who is not present when in fact God says himself that he is always present. And he happens to say this, that I am your refuge and strength. Now for David, that was a big deal because he was a, he was a fighter. He was a warrior. He was a military man. And for him to have refuge in times of, of being attacked or, or coming under fire or, or going into battle, refuge is a very important thing for a warrior. 
Refuge is important. It means that you can rest from it. It means you can get your mind straight. It means that you can be protected from, from enemies. It means that anything that comes your way, you will have reprieve from because of the place of refuge. And then you'll also have strength, strength to get up and fight and go again and, and go at it and conquer another day. And he says, God is my refuge and he is my strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. That should be always on our lips. God, you're my refuge and my strength. You're an ever-present help in time of trouble. Not God, I'm in trouble. God, here we are again. I don't know where you are, but I, if you could just do something. I don't know what you're up to. I don't know what's going on. But, you know, if, if you could just come and help me. A person who puts their trust in the Lord goes from helpless to God is my refuge, my strength. And then he says things like this. Check this out in verse, in verse 2. Therefore, we will not fear. Will not fear. Though what? Though the earth give way, the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and mountains quake with their surging. That sounds like pretty bad stuff. Now, we usually take this, this verse and we're like, oh, you know what? God is my refuge and my strength. Oh, bless you. Every time I go through something hard, I just feel like this, you know, anxiety and depression. And I go through this weird thing. But then I always come back to, well, you know, God's got a plan. God is in control. And so it's just, it's nice. It'll one day work out. But it's not what David is saying here. He's actually going to a place where he says, he says, look, though the worst of circumstances happen, God is your refuge and your strength. He's ever present help. Refuge, strength, ever-present help in what? Times of trouble. How bad does it have to get? That sounds pretty bad. I mean, mountains falling off into the sea? I mean, you can, you can just go through YouTube and find all sorts of doomsday prophecies about, um, you know, California falling off because God cursed it, <laughs> you know? Like, like God has this fault line, like right exactly, you know, through the Sierra Nevada mountains. It's like, yep, all of this is just going to fall off. Evil. Trust me, there's enough evil in the world that's happening every single day behind closed doors that God would have to strike everybody dead if that was the case. Not just how one place votes or who lives there and what's going on over there. Trust me, there's evil everywhere. Evil Everywhere And God says, I am a present help in times of trouble. Economic trouble, relationship trouble, family trouble, work trouble, health trouble. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Our optics of this situation, how we see in these rainstorms, is affected by our past experience. And most of our past experience is determined, or most of our past experience determines our future action. Our past experience determines our future action so that we will give up in the face of trials and trouble because we feel helpless from times past. And so we might as well just be helpless right now. One time, uh, me and Reagan were... were we're old friends. We've known each other since she was born, since 2005. And, uh, you know, I spanked her, bought her ice cream. I've, uh, I've thrown her in the water 
uh, and held her down. <laughs> Changed my mind and brought her back up. All sorts of things. But when Reagan was about three years old, we were rolling somewhere, went to my friend's house, and, and uh, somebody had given uh, Reagan, when Reagan was little, people gave her stuff all the time. I was like, hey, I got these tap shoes. I thought they would fit Reagan. So then she's walking around the house like, clack, 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 you know, whatever. Uh, hey, I got this, this, you know, they would just throw stuff at Reagan. Like, I got this Dora doll. I know it's creepy, but the hair grows out when you push this button. I'm like, ah, that, that's... I don't know where this came from. Reagan loves it. It's like, ah, ah. One day, Reagan got a pair of skates. And I had them in the car. And we were visiting my, my friend Thomas. And he was over in Kansas. And, and he had a, a really steep driveway. Now, I'm standing there talking to Thomas and his dad. And, and we're having a conversation. And they're just, Tom, if you know Thomas, Thomas can talk your ear off. Okay, and his dad is twice as worse. So the two of them stand there just talking all day long. Three-year-old Reagan's like, I'm bored out of my mind. And so she looks in the back of this car, and she finds this pair of skates. Okay. Now, their driveway is like whew, steep, steep, steep. Reagan, the doer, she's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put these skates on. So she puts these skates on, and they're like just, you know, kind of Walmart skates. You know, she puts them on, clack, 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 clack. And she, and she puts them on, and then she stands up on this hill, right, which might as well just be ice, right? So she's like holding on to the, the van. She falls over, and, and she has no victory. She feels absolutely helpless in this moment. She rips off her skates throws them back in the van at three years old. She's like, I'm never skating ever again. True story. Reagan probably remembers it to this day. So we just got in the skates. We hadn't had an opportunity to really talk about skating and me to teach or anything. So um, we, go back to, we go back to the house, and later on, we're, a couple days later, I'm sitting there. He's like, Reagan, let's put on your skates, and let's go outside, and, and, I'll, I'll, and we, you can skate. And she looks at me and she, with the most defeat I've ever seen on Reagan's face. And she's not defeated very often. She looks at me and she says, I can't do it, Dad. She's holding these skates and she says, I, three years old, I can't do it, Dad. Because her past helplessness defined her current situation. And then she has a turn and her whole face changes. And she looks at me and she says, but I can if you help me. And right then in that moment, I was going through some crazy stuff and, and God spoke to me. He's like, see, Brandon, your past experience of helplessness doesn't determine your future with me. It's the way that we are supplied for every good work. The Bible talks about this. Oh, I've been talking about it for the past month. I feel like this idea of abiding just keeps coming up and coming up. And I try to go away to something else, but it just keeps coming. It's like, God, I already preached that sermon. He's like, yeah, but tell him again. Tell him again. Because what happens is when we are connected to what God has for us, he's a refuge and a strength. He's an ever-present help in time of the worst of circumstances. Little circumstances, big circumstances, it doesn't matter. God is always present to help. Stop acting like he's far away and look at him and say, I can do it if you help me. And this is what he says after this. Even if the mountains fall in the sea, it doesn't matter. Verse 4 says this. There, 
is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. God is a refuge, God is a strength, and ever-present help in time of trouble. And it talks about the trouble. And that's where we are. You know, God is present. God is, God is here, I guess. God's got a plan. Well, I don't know. Whatever happens, happens. God is in control, I suppose. Maybe it's the end of the world. Maybe God will come back in July. And everybody's got this opinion about the trouble. But they forget that there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The city of God is Israel in this passage, because that's where David was from. It's God's chosen people. When Jesus came, he says, he says, I make you my people. You are the city of God. He says he's building you into a holy temple. Psalm 1 says that if you are planted by the streams of living water, everything you do will prosper. Same thing here happens here. I preached last week about Psalm 23. It says that he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and my cup overflows, planted by streams of living water. We look at Revelation. We see that, that there is a throne in heaven in Revelation, and from it flows a river. That river is Jesus. We find out that David beats Goliath. He goes to the, the brook Cherith, and he pulls five stones of grace out, and he defeats every giant because Jesus is the river. Everywhere you go will prosper when you're tapped into the river. And so Jesus is trying to convey this over and over and over again. Is anybody thirst? If anybody is thirsty, come to me, and you will experience rivers of living water out of your heart, out of your belly. It will flow over and spew onto everything. He says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And then he says, the holy place where the Most High dwells, that's you. You're the holy place where God dwells. And then he says, God is within her. She will not fail. And even if you have that tattooed on your arm, you got it on your Pinterest pad, whatever, it's not just for ladies. He's talking about Jerusalem, a city. And now he means humanity. He means you. He says people who are called by his name. God is within you. And you will not fall. God will help. That's the God we serve. But our past experiences define our present reality. And that's not what God has ever said about you or me or anyone who's been called by his name. Romans 8, 28 says that God works all things together for the good of those who are called by his name. Love God. I love God, don't you? I love God, don't you? God's working for my good. He's a present help. When you're laying in bed and your, your heart's beating out of your chest, you have the worst anxiety about situations. Your pores open up when you face trouble and you just like, it feels like you want to profusely sweat and everybody else is cool, calm, and collected, not just because of the heat, but because of the pressure. When you're going through everything in your mind over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, it's not the place that God has for you. He says, I'm the present help. No matter if the world caves in, maybe you're just trying to figure out a damage plan. How am I going to recover from all of this? 
what's going to happen in my life. It's a wreck. And you're trying to figure it out. The Bible has come up with a solution. The Bible tells us of a solution. It's Jesus' solution. It's God's solution. He sends Jesus, and he gives us grace. Now, most of us sing the song, Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. What we mean is that he forgave us our past sins. But your idea of grace shouldn't be just forgiveness. And I, I talk about this as often as I can. Your idea of grace should be the power of God alive in your life. Which, if God comes into your life, he'll erase your sins. He'll pay your debt. But he gives you power for life. Romans tells us, he says, Paul says, Paul says in Romans, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, because it is the power of God to salvation. If it wasn't life abundantly, if it wasn't power for your living, if it wasn't available for you to transform how you go forward, he would just say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it has forgiven me of my wrongdoing. That's what he would say. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's God paying for everything I've ever done. He wiped my slate clean and made me new. But he doesn't say that. It says power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God. It is God's power in your life for every day, for every situation, everything you face. And this is how David could say, God is my refuge. God is my strength. An ever-present help in every situation because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto my salvation. Salvation means deliverance, yeah. Salvation means pulling you out from. It means rescue. It means that God is delivering you from one thing that happened again and again and again. And trust me, there's plenty of sin and death all around us that we need to be rescued from again and again and again and again. It is God's power for your salvation. And so he says, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. Glad is such a weird word. I'm glad. Hmm, I'm glad. How are you today? I'm glad. Hey, how you feeling? I'm feeling glad. It's a weird word. But I think that what we interpret is just a word that we say, I'm sure I'm glad I got a coffee today. Is God talking about overwhelming joy and prosperity in your soul? There's a river makes glad. River, actually, if you, if you look it up, the word, and what it means from the Hebrew perspective, a river actually means prosperity. Because think about it, like, in their, their day, and they're living in the middle of Israel. I've been to Israel. It's dry. Okay? It's, it rained, and, and we're all like, you know, we got, we got ladies that are in their 70s. They got my, my aunt, Betty Ann. She's like, I got to get my bonnet. I'm like, you got to walk. We're in old city Jerusalem. You're going to fall over. People are going to run you over. She's like, I got to get my bonnet on. Why? Because it's raining. Meanwhile, our guide is just walking around. Michael, he's walking around like, man. He says something. He says, he looks at me. He goes, 
I wait all year long for a day like this. A day where it rains. Because water in that region means life. So if I can define Jesus in any way, and I want people to get it in a place where they experience drought, famine, death, desert, all of those things. If I can say that God is a stream to the middle of every desert, and if you'll plant by it, you will prosper and flourish. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of our Our disparity comes from us looking again and again to ourselves and going, I don't have enough. I can't do it. I can't make it. I, I don't know. It's, what, what, what can I do? And there's actually a whole set of Christians who want to tell you all the time about how terrible you are and how worthless you are. And, you know. I, I had one, one friend of mine wrote a song called Worthless Purchase. Worthless. I'm just so worthless. He talks about worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. He's a rapper. Worthless, 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 worthless. And we just go, I'm worthless. I'm worthless. I'm worthless. And that's the same thing the enemy is trying to do to you over and over. The Bible says that Satan's name actually means accuser. The Bible says that he has access to go into heaven, and he goes into heaven and, and talks to God, and he is the accuser of you and me. All day long, he just accuses, 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 accuses you. They're worthless. They're, they're terrible. Look at them now. Look at them. They're laying in bed fearful, hearts beating out of their chest. They're looking at the ceiling trying to figure out how they're going to make it through. They're, they're trying to figure out a damage plan. Look at them. They're not, they don't have faith in you. What kind of Christian are they? Worthless. I told you the whole time, they're just worthless. God knew this about us, that we have a propensity to just move towards, I'm terrible, I suck, I'm a loser, I'm the worst. And so he sent Jesus to be a stream so that you could recognize again that he designed you to be connected to him. That it wouldn't be an apart relationship, it would be a together relationship. And that through that would be the most beautiful thing that the earth has ever seen. There's an old song that uh, I heard a lot when I was growing up. It's a story about this auction, and you went to the auction, and, and they're all there, and, 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 and the auctioneer comes in the end of the day, and he looks over, and he sees this old violin. And he picks up the violin, and he's like, well, we got this last thing, and it's to get out of here. And it's just old, and it's, it's dusty, and it, 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 it's, it's crafted, but it seems to be worthless. And so he holds it up. He's like, who'll give me $1 for this violin? Who'll give me one? Who'll give me $2? $2 for this violin. I mean, $3. Who would give me $3 for this? It's just an old worthless thing. Who, who could even do anything with this? $3 is a good price for something like this. Nobody bid. Finally, from the back, an old man walks up, takes the bow, puts a little resin on it, plinks at the strings for a second. Everybody's wondering what this crazy old man is doing. 
We just want to get out of here. Let's just finish this thing up. And he begins to run the bow across the violin. And all of a sudden, the harmonies and melodies that are hidden within that piece of work come soaring out and they hit the ears of the people. And they begin to applaud at such a beautiful song coming from something that they didn't just assume that it would never, ever play. The auctioneer then takes the violin from the old man. He stands up and he says, 1,000! 2,000! Who gave me 2,000? 3,000! That's a good price! 3,000! I said, what's the difference? What's the, what, it was just a dollar. It was worthless. It was casted away. He said, it was the only difference is the master has touched it. What one person considers worthless, and it'll never play, and it'll never work. Somebody goes, I hear the music that when it's in the hands of the right person, it can play the most excellent harmonies. That's us. One situation we're helpless because we're apart from the very thing we're created for. And that river says, I will make excellent harmonies from you. I will play the songs that change the world. And we, as helpless violins, get to look to our Creator like a young girl who can't skate, who say, I can do it if you help me. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? We can all act high and mighty about how great we've had it. Maybe we can get with the right people and we can just go, you know, it's been brutal, it's been terrible, it's, it's just been the worst time so much pressure. The truth is we all need the streams of the living Father, the living God. And when we are planted, we will prosper. Prosper. Maybe you felt like a $1 violin but I guarantee you, if you would just lay back in the hands of God, he will make you sing. And people will look to you and say, 2,000, 3,000. That's invaluable because the master's hand. I want to pray for you today. Say, Brandon, pray for me. Just slip up your hand where you are. Just acknowledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Father, that's us. We're here with our hands raised. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. We just declare, God, that we have a change of mind. We have a change of heart. And we are tapped into living streams of, of God. Make us into what you have us to be with your supply, with the power of the gospel that's available for every situation. 
the power of the gospel that's available for every circumstance. You are an ever-present help. You are refuge in our strength. And there's streams of living water that make glad the city of our God. You are within us and we will not fall. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big praise today.